0: welcome back to episode 82 of chess journeys tales of adult improvement here on chess journeys we do love to explore the glories of ratings gain but that is rare so we also dive into the plateaus and sometimes even the pits of despair if you want to support the show you can go to patreon chess journeys and i want to thank matt bush jay garrison Diane rich burgess brandon hallside david Schreiber, and lindsey newhall thank you so much that is the best way to support the show if you want to Another great way to support what I'm doing, I've been streaming on Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes like almost every day, shocking me as much as anyone else. Um, not for very long, like little one-hour stretches, but you can stop by. I'm going over a lot of Karpov games. It takes like an hour to go over one game. So it's a guess-the-move style, and I'm usually wrong because it turns out Karpov is really good at this chess thing, and I'm not. It's unfortunate. Uh, If you want to appear on the show, you can fill out the Google form in the show notes. We all do want to hear your story. There are so many amazing stories out there. And today I bring in Aiden. I've been talking to Aiden for a while about coming on. He is a chess entrepreneur. He's an adult improver. I'm really excited to hear how Aiden is not a super GM, yet still a chess entrepreneur. And maybe we can replicate his journey. Uh, I'm sorry, high school. I'm becoming a chess entrepreneur. Entrepreneur now. I'm not coming back tomorrow. Uh, Aiden, how are you doing? And have you played any chess yet today?
1: I'm doing very well, and today has been jumping from uh, like a uh, uh, trade inspection into a meeting into whatever. So no chess so far today. Uh, much to much to my chagrin.
0: Wait, so you're a chess entrepreneur who's still taking meetings? Oh, man, I thought I get to dodge that part. Yeah, it's unfortunately,
1: it comes with the second part of the title.
0: Mm, Okay, all right. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Okay, well, Aiden, before we get into what you're doing now, which I'm really excited about, I'm curious to hear, like, how did you get into chess? What's your origin story? Did you uh, start as a baby? You came out of the womb with a bishop in your hand and you've been playing ever since? Or is your journey different than that?
1: uh yeah my journey's uh definitely different to that but not not so different to I imagine a lot of people at the minute i uh uh my first exposure to chess i remember was in primary school so elementary school um and uh yeah the cool kids um uh, that i sort of looked up to played it uh wait, wait, i figured i the should cool do the kids same. play chess what kind of school yeah australia different mate <laughs> 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 so the cool kids played chess i think it was a. Uh, a place to get out of the Aussie sun, I think was the, um, the main reason behind it. Uh, but the cool kids played chess and I wanted to get in there. Uh, so I, yeah, I went to the chess club a couple of times and I sort of got an appreciation for the game. It seemed really cool. It seemed like something I'd want to get into. Uh, but I only went a couple of times and kind of gave up on the being in the cool crowd, uh, thing, which I think served me well. I got that out of the way before high school. So high school, I just got to be myself nice uh and uh yeah so it sort of came this thing in the back of my head that i figured i would one day like to get good at chess like if i had a spare 10 years um and uh then i found myself with a spare two years because of covid Hmm. and uh started looking into it there um so yeah, that that part of the story is very common. Uh, for me, it was Pog Champs. I didn't get into the Queen's Gambit for a few ah, months after getting into chess. But Pog this Champs is did it so for me. weird.
0: I've never heard the story before. So you're saying, COVID gave you the time to? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I have heard. Yeah, <laughs> <before. laughs> yeah. COVID was such a remarkable time, right? It was like, hey, yeah, you free time to pursue whatever you've always dreamed of, and you're like, okay, chess sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have a similar story as well yeah <laughs> so okay, it's so uh yeah you got into chess during covid was it like an immediate all-in or was it kind of like dip the pinky toe in and you're like oh huh, that seems fun like maybe i'll i'll play a game a week or something
1: there was a, a couple elements to it i it was pretty quick towards the all-in um i yeah sort of fell in love with watching the pogchamp stuff i thought the commentary was fantastic the drama of the game was amazing and the brutality of the game really appealed to me. Uh, right. I'm a like a stoic philosopher at heart, and mm. this like this, uh, the idea that if you have any issues in your mindset, like any like how you deal with victory or loss or defeat or disappointment, you will experience those things over a chessboard. Like they, yeah. <laughs> you can't escape them, uh, and that really appealed to me. Um, and then I sort of overcommitted, I think, to chess <laughs> because I could see a little number. And I could yeah. see that little number going up, and yeah. at a time where the entire world was at a standstill, it was really like comforting to see a number mm-hmm. go up. Yeah, uh, and I started putting a little bit too much of my um, uh, like a kind of my my mental health on that number. I will put it that way. Um, okay. So it wasn't something it, um, where like
0: you felt like it was too much time invested. It was more like your self worth is becoming too invested. In this one number, or at least like how you view yourself and happiness.
1: A little bit. It's like I'm I'm very driven by growth and learning and improvement in any area of my life. Um and COVID just sort of came at a really kind of tricky time in mm-hmm. my my uh my life, I suppose. Like I left a job, got a hospitality and uh retail job to replace it to bring in some money, and then COVID oh, happened. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I just sort of but yeah, I'd left in a tricky situation and was like, okay building things up, and then everything came in. So it was just a big old like stop. Mm-hmm. Um and when I am feeling a little out of control, I I do gravitate towards things where I can see like an objective improvement. So that like mm-hmm. if it's not chess, it was something like Halo 5 for a little while. Um sure. beforehand and something where i could see okay there is some indication that in this area i'm improving um mm-hmm. and i yeah get really attached to that uh and i did that briefly that. with uh
0: world of warcraft rating that was a bad idea it's so dependent on like 30 other people doing their job and you're like yeah mm, i'm not sure this, is a, not sure this <laughs> is a good idea so yeah i hear what you're saying that it can be soothing in a way to be able yeah. to have like that stability, but then at the same time, because chess has that number, it can be so overwhelming. Like the nice thing is if you pick up tennis, you can feel yourself getting better, but there isn't a number that's like, yeah, but you're not as, as good as you would like to be. Are you? And you're like, Oh, exactly, God, yeah. You're right. I wish I was a 900 chess player. Not, not an 888 chess player. <laughs>
1: yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like that, that ob- objectivity is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, with, Not sure it's with a Jeff. blessing
0: at all, to be honest. I keep trying
1: <laughs> to think, like, what is the upside
0: of knowing my exact rating? I don't know that there is one.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Sell me on this, Aiden. What's the upside of ratings? The upside of ratings, uh, it's the objectivity of them. So, the like, no matter, especially through COVID, like, no matter how much I felt stagnant. In some areas are going backwards in other areas like health and fitness and all of that kind of stuff. like no matter yeah. how much that stuff happened, I could look at my chess rating, and if I had gone up fifty points or a hundred points or whatever, it would yeah, it's impossible to tell myself that I haven't improved. The yeah. problem is if you don't go up those points, it can get intense mm-hmm. um yeah. if you are in that sort of situation, and like you need that number to go up from like a, a personal level. Uh, yeah, okay, I hear you. It's it's So tough. yeah, useful and not so useful at the same time. Yeah. Okay.
0: For me I like to focus more on like the work that I've done yeah. that is behind the number rather than the number, but because the number exists, it can be very hard to ignore it. That that's Yeah. the challenge that I found is as much as I tell myself the number doesn't matter, when it goes up, it makes me happy. So Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a liar is what I'm saying to you all I am just a big old liar
1: okay we're all full of inherent contradictions I think it's just yeah. just one of them yeah that's fair I'll go with that rather than I'm a liar yeah. I like that a lot that <laughs> uh
0: so what has your journey been like then so you start out What did you, what did you start out doing did you start out with books videos just playing games where were you at
1: yeah it was uh videos and stuff early I started I was um about like 750 Blitz or something. Okay. Um, Good starting spot. And I, yeah, watched some videos. I got into Gotham Chess. Uh, he was sort of coming up at the same time that I was starting oh, to get yeah. interested. Boy, did he time that well. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he uh, <laughs> yeah, just, like, nailed it, nailed it. It's, it's uh, helpful so, to be
0: both talented and lucky
1: at the same time. Exactly. And he, he had this way of making things really accessible uh, yep. in a way that now I think has become the norm, which is really yep. cool. But uh, it wasn't really the norm when he was doing it. it was like it was and Mata and Gotham were kind of the only two really trying to mm-hmm. to, to do that. Um, so I got it really in his stuff, really into and Mata stuff and started trying to get better um because as i said i needed that number to go up so i was like okay what do i do and i did all the stuff that people do um i started looking at openings i bought a course signed up to chessable um chessable was fantastic for a few things um and i got a little bump early okay um jumped like maybe like 100 points or something that's um nice. but then stagnated really quickly mm. uh, after that and was putting the work in but not seeing the results and um that's the hard part yeah it's the hard part but that's always a red flag for me uh i right. i've sort of over the years done a lot of reading uh, into guys like tim ferris and josh waitskins uh methods on learning and all that kind of stuff and from these various sources i've sort of cobbled together this method that i use hmm. uh, and apply to things okay and, so you apply
0: it to things outside of chess
1: yeah so i've used it to learn javascript uh marketing uh halo 5 i got really good at halo 5 and then i kind of looked at what i was doing with my time Went, wow i'm really good at halo 5 i need to do something else <laughs> uh it is hard also <laughs> because society doesn't validate it either,
0: right? They're like, wait yeah. a second, you're good at Halo 5? What are you doing? And you're like, no, it's a real accomplishment. Look how hard it
1: <laughs> is. Yeah, part. yeah. Uh-huh, sure, man. Sure, okay. Like, there, there is a pathway. It's like you go into the pro scene and yep. all that kind of stuff. But I just sort of looked at all of that and I went, look, that's not that's not the direction I want to go. Um, sure. yeah. And kind of went, well, either I pour a bunch more time into this, keep getting good for a direction I don't want to go, or I find something else to do. Uh, so I picked the second one, but yeah, gotcha. I applied it to a whole bunch of things and it's kind of my standard approach for how I take on a new skill. Awesome. And
0: so, uh, did you apply it to chess then? Of course you
1: did. Bro. I did not immediately. Uh, chess okay. was by far the most complicated thing I had attached uh-huh. it to by that point. I'd done some experiments with language. When you get down to the, the absolute core of language is actually pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, when you, yeah. So sort of my initial impression with chess was, okay, I'm just going to do it the way you're meant to do it. Right. And.
0: and that I, worked A little for a little while.
1: It worked a little for a little while. And then right. I hard plateaued as everybody mm. does. Um, yeah. and I started looking online and found that my experience was the norm. Uh, and that seems to me, that's an indicator that there's something, um, missing from the method Mm, uh there are obviously plateaus in any kind of learning situation right but the length of the plateaus that people were having in the chess world just seemed insane versus any other skill i'd looked into
0: especially with the amount of work that people put in
1: right exactly
0: i I, I agree i've i've learned a lot of new skills and i've always plateaued but with way less work i've reached way greater heights of achievement and skill And chess really does feel like it's just accepted fact that it's a slow process and it takes years and years. And I think I bought into just, it's the complexity, right? Like it's such a complicated thing that I guess that's just the norm. So Aiden, it sounds like you're about to tell us all that that's wrong. And I am excited to hear this. All right, Aiden, drop, (laughs) drop it on us. What do you got for us here?
1: Well, first off, uh, I don't think the traditional method is useless. Uh, the traditional method is fantastic uh, in right. as far as uh, every grandmaster that has ever been has learned chess that way. So like, obviously it works. Right. Um, the challenge is that any grandmaster's ever been like, well, not all of them, but most of them started when they were six. And when you're six, no. the way you can learn stuff is fundamentally different to how you have to learn stuff as an adult. Like at six, you can just take in information. You can just memorize long lines. Uh, You don't need contextual importance for the things that you're learning. You can just take them in. As adults, we need to approach learning in a very different way. Um, We can get similar results. We just need to approach it from a different direction. So yeah, nothing against traditional method at all. It's just a method that's fantastic at what it does. Uh, Real quick, just a second that because I
0: have a young child who is also learning chess, it's been really fascinating for me to watch our journeys like she'll see something once and then remember it. She was talking to me me just yesterday about a game she was playing and she's like, yeah, they attacked my King. And then I went Rook G eight to protect the pawn, knowing I was going to then push the pawn and my Rook would be open. And I was like, wait, what, where did you learn that? And she's like, you did it once against me. And I'm like, I did it once (laughs) against you. It takes me like a hundred times of seeing the same thing before I finally go, I should try that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So yeah, exactly. Like there's a fundamental difference in the way that we take in that information. So we need to approach it differently from the start.
0: Okay, makes sense. And
1: I um, so a big part of my methodology is to break a skill apart into its component pieces hmm. and understand all the bits that make up the skill, and then from there try to work out which ones are the most important. So the uh, so the common thing is the eighty twenty rule, the idea that 80% of your outcome is going to come from 20% of the causes. Mm. So my big part of the approach, and it's this is a standard deconstructed like rapid learning approach. part of the approach is that you have to identify those 20% and front load them as much as you can. So like whatever the 20% that gets you 80% of the skill of chess, you should be learning that stuff right at the start and studying that stuff right at the start. And it's okay. not memorizing a line, right? It's not, um, uh, it's not like obscure tactics, like obviously pins and forks and some very clear tactics. You want to, you want to burn those things in, but like super obscure mm. positions and super obscure stuff that you're never going to see. That's not useful. Yeah. Um. So, but so I, in doing that, I did a lot of research mm, okay. uh, and I spent days just like Googling, watching stuff on YouTube, like reading every article I could find. And this was when and you were like 850 ish. Yeah, this is like, me. Yeah, I was like yep. 850-ish, kind of 850-ish. And, was
0: there um, any part of you that was like, maybe I'm not even good enough to be able to figure this piece out and I need to like work with a higher level player who can be like, yes, that is important? Or was your thought like, well, that higher level player got to that with like the traditional methods. It needs like a new eye on this to really be able to see
1: this. It's, it's... Yeah, I think you've probably have summed it up. It's kind of that second one. I sort of, my instinct is always to back myself in, uh, in whatever situation there is. And uh, generally that works out for me. Sometimes it doesn't, but generally it works out for me. And in this situation, I'm like, okay, if I was to take this from scratch, like I don't know anything about the chess kind of tradition. I don't know anything about the way people normally come up. I've just got what I've picked up from videos and tried to implement uh so what if i just as a complete newbie looked at this and tried to work out how i would approach it hmm. um so you're basically alpha zero
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just got the basics and then like i'll figure it out my way okay can i
1: can i like take that and st- stick it as a quote on my website That's That sounds, <laughs> great. sounds great yeah done i'm basically alpha zero <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> basically uh yeah, so i uh, y- the main thread i saw there wasn't a lot of information out there about the most important skill in chess That's the main Mm. thing i wanted to work out what the master skill is like what's the one thing that i could learn that would make everything else easier um and but the couple spots a couple things i did find there was one video from Hikaru. um one from uh i think it might have been Vishy. Uh, just in passing, they mentioned that visualization is the most important thing in the game. Mm, Okay. And I heard that, and that was kind of percolating. And then I was watching a Gotham chess video and he did this massive calculation. Somebody asked him how he did that. And he said, oh, that that's just Mm. visualization. You can't really teach that. You just pick that up by playing thousands of games. Mm. And that combination of ideas just sort of connected in my head, and I went, okay. So people seem to think this, that visualization is the most important part of the game. Even Gotham sort of is alluding to it with what he's saying. But this idea of how do you train it doesn't seem to be like no one seems to have a really strong method. There's lots of little stuff. There's lots of like mm-hmm. do puzzles and calculate and all that kind of stuff. But
0: yeah, that's what I always hear.
1: I could find that isolated. visualization skill and like you're only training visualization right uh so more research occurred um that took me to blindfold chess uh which i tried and was very bad at very quickly yeah that's not easy yeah it's not easy um but i kind of went what if i Took away all of the decisions from Blindfold Chess, what would happen? Hmm. Uh and if like if blindfold chess is a great way to train visualization, if I took away the decisions I can focus on visualization, what would happen then? So I recorded audio of myself reading the moves to a to a game. Uh because I'm a crazy person, I picked a 25 move game. Again, I back myself in sometimes to my detriment. Oh, okay. Uh and listened back to it and fell off by move two. I oh, uh, just yeah. lost track of it at move two as I couldn't couldn't keep track of what was going on. Hmm. This is just like listening back to it with my eyes closed, trying to yeah. hold everything in my head. I spent about 10 minutes just like repeating the audio and trying to get further and further. End up about move seven.
0: Okay. Real quick, when and... you say visualization and keeping in your head, do you mean like literally now being able to visualize the entire board and where everything is? Are you working on sort of segments of the board? Like what do you, what do you sort of mean when you say that?
1: Oh, there's a there's a deep conversation we can do about visualization models. That's been my obsession for the last year. Oh, okay. uh, but my general thing is my idea was I didn't care how I held the information. I just had to hold okay. the information. So mm. the way I figured it is my brain's been dealing with complex information since the day I was born. It yeah. knows what to do. Okay. If I just force it to, to work stuff out, it will use whatever models it needs to use to do know. it. Okay. So mine's quite a logical model i don't see a whole board at a time i kind of get flashes of like thematic ideas okay um but everyone's got their own model and they're all super valid uh, you just got to trust yourself um gotcha. to, to find it the uh so I was, yeah following along got up to that move seven after 10 minutes thought i was a horrible failure uh because i didn't get anyone near 25 yeah uh because i set a very high bar for myself and you are um,
0: a horrible failure for a grandmaster
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: but I don't think you were quite Grandmaster yet. So I think you're fine. No. Yeah. But-
1: um Yeah, so I did that and I was like, okay, that was a fun experiment for 10 minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I played some games immediately afterwards. And my brain was just giving me stuff. Like I just mm-hmm. I would spot tactics three or four moves down the line that there's no way I would have spotted them before. I spotted a a sneaky checkmate threat that would have absolutely floored me before Mm. that exercise. And what it felt like is that my brain, after working so hard to track an entire board, it was actively relieved, looking like being able to see (laughs) the chessboard. It was going, oh, you mean all I Like I just tracked 32 pieces uh, on this board. I mean, all I need to do now is remember the knights moved here and the bishops there and the pawns there. That's easy peasy. It's like, thank goodness. And yeah, it was just giving me stuff. And in the next two weeks, I jumped 250 points. The month after that, I jumped another 250 points. Oh, wow. Um, then I took a big break because I went, oh, I just moved from the bottom of the bell curve to the top of the rating bell curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a really short space of time, maybe there's something I can help other people do that with as well. Sure. Um, gave the method to a friend of mine. Um, he was super skeptical. Uh, he listened to the, did the audio for 10 minutes and then did some puzzles and jumped 300 points in puzzles immediately. Oh, wow. Um, and then I was like, okay, so there's something here and decided to look at whether I could basically make a business out of it and help other people with it and whether it has any kind of merit. I thought I had something to go from beginner up I was Mm -hmm. playing with it for a few months then decided to start studying again Um, because I wasn't really doing much chess in that time. I was mostly focused on that other stuff. And then I jumped another bunch. uh, I think it was another two or 300 points after that, ending up around 1,500.
0: That's pretty impressive. Um,
1: And still, this is all just basically doing the visualization stuff I did find it unlocked some of the knowledge that I had picked up before like hmm. some of the openings knowledge some of the tactics those kinds of things I've been working on but not seeing the results Visualization right. sort of unlocked all of that gotcha. um and yeah and the rest is kind of history um hmm. so I started the business and got some early customers through they were seeing some great results they were very excited and then, much to my surprise, uh, now I've got people that are pushing for titles using the system. I've got um, wow. people that have titles using the system for tournaments, and I've got uh, chess masters, including a grandmaster, uh, collaborating and contributing exercises. So it's been wild. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely wild. Fascinating. Let
0: me ask you a couple of questions. So when you say yeah. like visualizing and then playing, is it like yeah. only for immediacy? Like you visualize. And then you immediately play, like that's your warm up, or do you feel like it's just that process doing it over and over is like retraining your brain so that whenever you play, it sort of sticks. That's why like is it a short term thing that you have yeah. to do each time before you play? Or do you feel like it's like a like a long term thing?
1: It's both. Um, Go. I definitely recommend training, like doing like 10 minutes of this before you do anything else, any mm-hmm. other study. It just gets your brain ready to take in chess information. But over time you do absolutely get better at just handling that stuff directly. Like the main thing that's happening. I didn't understand it at the time, but I understand a lot more now. The main thing that's happening is our brains when forced to do this, get much better at just handling chess information. Mm. Um, So like, for example, uh, when you've sort of able, when you're used to holding an entire board in your head and sort of keeping track of everything, you stop making a lot of easy errors. Uh, Like you, a lot of like any situation where you're playing a game of chess and like you hang your queen in one move. Mm-hmm. It's not because you're stupid. It's just because there's so much information on the chessboard that the fact that there's a bishops, that Bishop there slipped out yeah. uh, in that moment. We just, our brains can't handle all of that information without some kind of training. Uh, and that's the, so the short term gain of your brain being relieved when it plays like that, you'll feel that. Hmm. Uh, the long-term benefit to it is your brain gets better and better at encoding that chess information and holding more of it at once. Gotcha. Uh, so that, yeah, when you are planning, playing or training or studying or reading books or whatever, um, that skill is available to you.
0: Yeah. It sounds like from what your research is saying is it sort of accelerates a process that I found myself, which is just like, the more I study, the more I think about chess, the easier it is to study and think about chess my brain just thinks chess better than it did before and i do this thing that is really frowned on by high level players which is before big tournaments i always try to solve an impossible puzzle from this book i have that i can never solve the puzzles and the point is not to boost my ego it's to really engage my brain and then when i sit down on the board it's locked and loaded and you're right. It's a lot easier than this impossible position. I can't even grasp. So
1: yeah, awesome. I, I
0: hear what you're saying. It's resonating with me. I haven't tried your approach, but it, but it certainly sounds like something that that resonates.
1: There's a, like, a, I'm thrilled you're saying that. Yeah. It's the, the idea is um, what I would call that is isolate and intensify. So you are isolating mm-hmm. the difficulty of calculation. Yeah. You're intensifying it to a point way beyond what you're going to need at the tournament. so that when you go back to the tournament it's so much easier i've got a juggler friend that described it and he says that if uh if somebody has a trick with five balls that they're going to go out and juggle five balls on stage to this one trick they will be backstage practicing the same trick with seven balls Uh, that makes sense okay so that when they go out onto stage it's so much easier than what they were just doing and they've got this extra headspace to be creative to engage with the audience Mm. all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and it sounds like that's exactly what you were doing in your tournament. I was about. really
0: hoping you were going to say they were juggling seven chainsaws backstage.
1: That would have been pretty cool. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> just just juggling seven chainsaws backstage. I don't know, just warm up, just warm up. Yeah, <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. so that, that really does uh, resonate with me. I guess my question then is, like, do you do more training than visualization? Like, do you read about strategy? Do you read about end games? Or do you kind of feel like, that's like later, like first I have to train my brain to think chess, to visualize. And then once I've sort of established those pathways, then I fill them with this other knowledge.
1: Yeah. It's um, a little of column A, a little of column B. Uh, I, I think visualization, like you've got your, your bare foundations, like how the pieces move control the center get your pieces out those sorts of things like the absolute baseline and if you don't know those absolute baseline things visualization is not going to help you yeah. uh but once you've got those out of the way like then visualization the ability to handle chess information almost by itself i'm not going to say entirely by itself you still need some tactical practice and some vague mm-hmm. idea of how like a king and pawn end game works but um will clear up so many problems like the the classic experience I've heard this a ton of times from from customers and and people emailing that you're a thousand rated in the same game you will pull off an amazing tactic that makes you cheer and then you'll hang mate yeah like that's that's the that's the 1000 experience like that is oh, the yeah. experience most people have in chess and being able to handle chess information and track stuff even while you're focused on your attack over here being able to like remember what's happening over here that alone will shoot you to 1500 uh just being able to hold that information then once you get sort of to the upper end of that bell curve you do definitely need other pieces as well um Mm -hmm. like you're not going to become a a chess master just visualizing but visualization will help a lot with taking in that information and being able to use it over a board i
0: mean Hanging stuff is the that is how you usually lose from like a thousand to fifteen hundred, right? You play yeah. a great game, you've got your opening line down, you know the structure, perhaps even everything's going well. And then you hang a bishop to a two move tactic, yeah. and you're like, Son of a-. yeah, I it comes out of two lines.
1: It's either I didn't see that or I forgot that.
0: Yeah, what's fun for me is uh, in classical, I'm up to like 1750, and in rapid, I'm very similar but I still am that player in blitz and blitz. I'm right about 1500 and almost yeah. all my losses. I play great chess and then I miss a two move tactic. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you're 1500 in blitz. <laughs> Could you please stop doing that. And you'll just boom, instantly shoot up 200 points. So, yeah. Cause I have the knowledge and I have the skill, but I am still dropping the pieces sometimes very, mm. very frustrating. um okay so you said you have done this yourself um have you found like you were the guinea pig so i imagine it was rougher for you did you sort of struggle with this process like the were the results as instant as you were hoping were you surprised by how much result you had from it
1: Uh, i was i was very surprised by how quick um it all happened for me like if you looked at uh, when i was looking at reddit i um saw somebody in my rating range um say they'd gone up 200 points in the last year and like everyone on reddit going oh that's really good that's amazing that's fantastic it's like wow i wish i could do that and i'd gone up like at this point i'd gone up 250 points in the last fortnight at that same rating range and i was like (laughs) Like, looking at like because i was trying to work out is this good or is this normal like i don't have the chess background i was like is this is this just a normal thing have i found something or is this whatever and you obviously you do get your outliers there are yeah. tons of people that jumped in and shot up from whatever whatever method whatever reason um so the idea of the amount of improvement i had doesn't match what some of them have done mm-hmm. but the method felt so achievable uh to me and i could see with my friends that it was so achievable for them as well and i was like I'm, i really might have something to to help the bell curve of chess players get up to being pretty good yeah it's like most chess players i think would be happy being 1500
0: Uh, yeah like most chess players i know are i'm i'm a teacher and most of my students are around like 500 to 700 if i told them hey in a month or two you could be 1500 they yeah. would be like okay i don't understand is this like a deal with a deity that i have to make and my soul is involved <laughs> Can you stand like, at the crossroads yeah. either way i'm in but i just want to know what, the, what it is just also to be clear the audience this is not an infomercial i didn't exactly realize this is where it was going with aiden and uh it does sound like he's he's selling us some magical potion here that's why i'm trying to probe here uh so aiden i'm very fascinated by this so you you feel like you've had a lot of evidence then that this technique is working
1: yeah i've just got lots of lots of enthusiasm from people um i've got my own evidence so i see stuff like i haven't uh personally put a huge amount of effort into and guess for a while uh my effort's been much on understanding how people improve at chess and then helping other people improve rather than doing it myself. Okay. Uh, so I'm about 1650 at the moment. Um, cool. uh, but the evidence, yeah, it's just in, I suppose in the emails and the comments and things I've been receiving, uh, I have one guy who, uh, had never like, he's kind of up around the kind of 1800 2000 over the board USCF. Uh, and he, had always struggled against title players and used my system, and then sent me this awesome picture of him holding a wad of money. Oh, uh, wow. like after he's even using my system for about a month, <laughs> and he sent me this picture of him holding the prize money and just went, I yeah. just won this tournament against a field of title players. And I was like, Whoa. Nice. Uh, so it sounds like the-
0: maybe for that person, it was they'd done all this study, they had all this knowledge they just hadn't quite like transferred it to skill and your method allowed them to kind of like unlock then some of that knowledge and turn it into skill.
1: It's uh yeah. I think that's, that's often where I think I'm finding a lot of stuff. Like I, the the way a lower rated player, someone in that kind of bell curve area engaged with, it's very different than the master level players or people that are better than me. Like my most enthusiastic customers are all way better than I am. Sure. Uh, and it's, it's the very different things on this level. It's that core dealing with chess information, stop hanging your queen stuff. Right. And at the higher level, it's exactly what you said: is they've got hours and hours and, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of knowledge that they've studied in their heads, and being able to push the fog back over a chessboard and actually see things a bit clearer, a little further into the future, means they can use all of that in ways that they couldn't before.
0: Yeah, uh, and also those levels it's just harder to make big gains so i think it's just yeah a different feeling right like you know lots of 500s can jump 300 points by figuring out whatever it is for them that allows them to make that gain for some people it's just like you know learning some basic stuff um some people it's a long slog but but there aren't many 1800s who in six months can just jump to 2000 right like that is just yeah. a much much harder big jump to make so i mean this sounds pretty cool so i'm curious can you sort of like uh tell us a little bit more about their process or is that all proprietary information <laughs> no
1: i'm yeah i'm totally open with it um i well, i try and give as much value outside of the stuff as possible the system itself i've got exercises and whatever but i'm not if people want to check that out cool But that's not what i'm here for um i i've got uh yeah like the if you want to try the methods um just i'll just say this aiden
0: i have a friend who's rated 1759 and would love to be like 2000 i just i have this friend of mine his name's kevin yeah
1: cool (laughs) (laughs) well for this for this kevin this this friend of yours (laughs) yeah yeah uh, what i would recommend doing is um it's very simple. It's just uh find a few games um out there, maybe some in your opening, maybe one that's not, or two that aren't. Hmm. Uh one in like an opening you're very unfamiliar with, because we want to get comfortable with chaos as well. So mm-hmm. uh so pick a couple in the in an opening you're familiar with, a couple in the opening you're not, and just record say the first 15 moves. If you can get a game that's under 15 moves, that's even better. Hmm. Cool. Um, just record those I like just speaking them out. Give yourself a second between each thing. So like say one, E4, E5, just do that mm. into your iPhone, into whatever. Then at the start of each training session with chess, when you're sitting at a study, you're about to read your book, whatever, take a second, close your eyes and listen back to that audio. Anytime uh, with each move, try and see I, I say C in inverted commas, try and understand what the move does, what threats it creates, what lines it opens up. And in that one pause. A pause as often as you need to. Oh, pause as uh, often as you need to. Okay, yeah, pause as often as you need to. Um. Then at any point that you fall off and you don't, so if you lost track of what's going on, just restart the audio from the beginning hmm. and just go right. again.
0: Until you get all the way through however long yeah. was.
1: The, uh, the idea, so something I like to say is the goal is not to complete the audio. The goal is to keep trying to complete the audio. Mm. Um, how long do you... No, so it can, doesn't matter.
0: How long do you suggest keep trying? Like, let's say...
1: I just like just a 10-minute chunk, I think, is always Okay, a 10-minute Yeah, That makes sense. Okay. Um, like 10, 15 minutes, maybe, if you're really enjoying it and think you can get the distance, but go, go for 10.
0: Okay.
1: And... Doing that, uh, for some people, they'll feel it instantly. I did a lot of the people that go through the um, stuff online that I've got feel it instantly. Some people don't. It takes a few more kind of goes, but eventually you start to impress yourself over a game that you can just things are coming to you a little bit more easily than hmm. they have been otherwise.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay. Uh, and that that will immediately make, that'll make, make a difference quite quickly in your game and you'll feel that.
0: And you do um, this like before each time you do training or you play as just a way of sort of like waking up.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or
0: prepping, Uh, maybe priming the pump to learn more information.
1: Yeah. I was like, it's also like, because what what that's doing is it's um, teaching you to handle that information better. So if you look at uh, sort of memory science or brain science, we've got uh, sort of between five and nine, slots basically in our short-term memory so we can handle 5 or 9 five, between 5 and 9 different amounts of information at one time in our short-term memory we have 32 pieces on a chessboard so mm. like there's inherent difficulty there and that's yeah. where a lot of like that that limit anytime that you just forget that your knight was defending against mate or you forget that there was a bishop there All that's really happening, that's your brain hitting the upper limit of those slots. Like you've, you just, you can't hold all of the information because you're like, okay, I've got this big attack on. I have to be aware of this. Mm -hmm. I've got this pawn play idea that I'm playing with. I'm calculating three or four moves down the line in this direction, and all your slots are full. So you just miss this bishop. Or the worst one, and the one that we all do and we all hate is you have an idea for a move, you calculate, you realize that move's really bad you go and calculate four or five other moves, then you play <laughs> the first move you thought of.
0: All right, yep.
1: And mm. you just forget that you already wrote that one off. Right. Uh, and that's just your brain running out of slots. So mm. training like this allows us to be more efficient in how we're grouping, like chunking the board. Okay. Uh, so we can hold more in those slots.
0: Yeah, and that's, I've heard that a lot with like, grandmasters who are good with blindfold it's not remembering where every piece is it's remembering this is the structure but the bishops here in that structure instead of here yeah so it's like the whole board is a chunk rather than yeah 32 chunks
1: yeah exactly like they're all sort of different ideas and like some people like a sector of the board some people group them by idea by theme Mm-hmm. um there's all different ways to group them but that yes it's it's a, a board is made up of multiple chunks
0: okay next question does yeah, it have to be to. your voice because i know yeah. there's a podcast actually out there that does this It very slowly yeah reads moves to you can it be that or does it really need to be your own voice
1: uh i I mean, a lot of probably like, all of the exercises in the system are my voice. So it doesn't have to be your own voice. Oh, okay. The podcast that you're looking at is actually really cool. Um, they came up um, kind of in a similar time, that wonderful like parallel development thing. Oh, okay. uh And they do like... Their focus is a little bit different. Um, mm. What I recommend is like really short, like just recording a game. And so yep. you can repeat it really easily. Mm-hmm. Podcasts, um, if it's the same one, has uh like a history thing at the front that's yeah. super engaging their storytelling's fantastic and then you have the game as well right uh and that's really cool um I love how they do it uh but it's a little trickier to just go back and repeat it at the kind of uh intensity that you need gotcha but I'm trying to do.
0: get the name of this and for some reason my podcast podcast app is saying sync retry and I keep retrying yep. it's like no so I can't <laughs> give you the title right now I'll put it in the show notes. Something I think that like one's, audio um, chess. I don't yeah,
1: I think it's audio chess. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I had a don't move podcast up doing the same thing, um, oh, okay. for the business, but I've paused that for the minute. Cause I want to kind of rejig how it works, but gotcha. that'll be okay. coming out at some point with audio exercises as well.
0: Yeah. And I'll say, i really enjoyed that when I have an hour drive and I used to listen to a game every couple days, hoping yeah. I wouldn't get in a car accident that my brain could both autopilot and yeah. listen to this thing. It worked out for me. Um, amazing and then i would get to school and i would go look at the game and be because there would always we always get to a point where i kind of would lose it right and so i could go get yeah. to school and then look at the game but what i didn't do is the repetition and you're right it yeah. would have made it harder having the long history lesson i would have had to yeah figure out exactly so what I, it's to make some more challenging
1: if i was if i was to do yeah that audio chess thing if it was the other order if it was game history lesson I would that would be the greatest thing in the world Uh, and I think that would be that would be amazing I love what they do this to be really clear the the history stuff is amazing I love it it's so good yeah Yeah, I
0: love it good stuff there okay interesting all right this is a really personal question I'm about to ask you I've been waiting for the time to sort of unveil this information about myself yeah I have recently in the last like year and a half discovered that I have aphantasia. So like when I close my eyes, I see nothing. So it's really fascinating for me to hear you say like, well, visualization is however your brain keeps track. I don't know how my brain keeps track, but it does. Like I play blindfold games against my daughter. I'm not good at it, but I think that's also because I'm not practiced at it and I'm only 1700, but I don't see anything my brain just has like a story going on where it's like okay this is a Caro Khan, it's an exchange variation with the bishop over here and then they did this weird move where they pushed g4 for no reason what was that about uh (laughs) i inevitably hang all my pieces and lose and my daughter loves playing that way Uh, but i'm curious (laughs) have you investigated your process at all with with unique brains like that or or you working with typical brains
1: you are you are hitting on what has been my like obsession for like the last year. I've sort of been looking into it. It's been my obsession for like the last six months. Is this idea of visualization models and what should we be seeing in our heads? Because um, like the last there's been a couple like additions to this study, but the last real academic study that was done into this, like the last full blown one, was 1896. Was uh, what year? 1896. It was the guy <laughs> Alfred Binet. That's who... kind of a while ago yeah a a while ago um (laughs) and he he went on a few years later to invent the first practical iq test uh Mm. so he was like no slouch this guy was like proper king of psychology at the time and he did a study into he was he was obsessed with uh expertise and how um how people that are amazing at stuff like how their brains work so he did a big study into blindfold chess players oh okay and he expected um, to basically have people that have a very strong visual, mental visual component. that They would be mm-hmm. able to hold a lot of visual information very well. Right. And he found from the masters that could actually play blindfolds, that wasn't the case at all. Like some of mm-hmm. them had very visual uh, sort of interpretations of the board in their head. Some of them saw the whole board, but most didn't. Mm. Uh, most sort of saw flashes, and he had this big questionnaire that's fantastic. And um, still trying to like, still trying to track down the results of that and try and get the, the data out of that. And then that kind of kicked me into a bit more stuff. Like there was a, a George Koltanowski, a blindfold champion, um, blindfold simul champion for a few years. Uh, he didn't have any pictures in his head. He worked off of mental audio. Oh, wow. So like play, like he would have his blindfold on. He'd be doing the blindfold games and he would mentally record. He called it his mental gramophone. He would mentally <laughs> record each move as it was said to him. And then when it was his turn on that board again, he'd play them all back. Oh my uh, goodness. Okay. So he had no visual level at all. It was all audio is how he tracked yeah. what That's was going on in you know, and it. And 27 boards at once, I think was his Ooh. his thing.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, then you look at, Al Yekin, and he had um, a kind of a hybrid, which most people do, mm-hmm. uh, where he, t- he called it logical memory. So he would remember logically how a board goes together because chess obviously does have a logical structure to it. Mm-hmm. he remember logically how it goes together. He'd remember, he'd forget a lot of details, uh, but remember certain ones at certain times. So like if he needed to remember where his B-pawn was, he'd remember he had to stop knight c4 earlier so b3 true mm-hmm. sure. uh and he would just check he like have a flash of visuals whenever he wanted to check something for sure mm-hmm. uh and there's all of these different models there are people um with aphantasia that i've been speaking to uh that don't have any visual component at all and run entirely off of like logical concepts to keep track of everything
0: yeah uh it's almost like a narrative i create i, I really resonate with that idea of like that's the, cool. The pawn is on b three because I needed to keep the knight from coming here, and that's yeah. Nice. That's how I will think of things as well. Yeah, fascinating.
1: Cool. I love. It. I haven't actually heard that one before. in has got like as like there's there's so many visualization models. We all have different brains. Yeah. This idea that visualization should be visual, like the clue is in the title, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is actually deeply incorrect. It doesn't need to be at all. See, that is Uh,
0: so great for me to hear because whenever I hear people say, like, you have to work on your visualization, I'm always like, well, I'm screwed. (laughs) Like, I literally can't visualize anything.
1: (laughs) I think a better word would be conceptualization
0: Mm -hmm. uh, because
1: we're trying to build the concept of the board in our head. We're trying to understand what's happening. We don't actually need to see anything. Gotcha. Uh, And yeah, we all have different ways of doing that um and a big part a lot of things i'm finding is that people have this idea of what visualization should be a lot of that is to do with the queen's gambit uh oh yeah <laughs> um, right uh they should like this idea that you should see an entire board um and there's a lot of very logical thinkers uh that don't have a visual model for anything in their lives like they're very mm. logical very conceptual yeah uh, trying to force themselves to see a board and just really struggling, and as soon as they stop forcing themselves to do that and instead just let their brain deal with the information however the brain wants to deal with it, hmm. suddenly their confidence and their skill and their ability like just skyrockets. Um, okay. It's it's been yeah it's been really cool and you know. hell yeah that's yeah my yeah one of my obsessions at the moment.
0: This is so great for me because I I got to admit when I realized that I, my brain was different. I just thought people were exaggerating when they said they could like see things. I was like, okay, I know what you mean. <laughs> Me too. I can imagine yeah. I could see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, see in inverted commas, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I got really worried. I was like, so am I screwed? I saw Queen's Gambit. The whole board's on the ceiling. My ceiling's yeah. blank. Like, does that mean I can never get good at chess? And I've continued plowing through anyway and I've continued to improve. And there's just been like this fear yeah. in the back of my head, like, Am I going to hit some magical number where it's like, your visualization, I've been telling you all along, you had to visualize (laughs) and you can't visualize and now you're stuck forever. Um, So it does make me feel personally like this is what I've been thinking all along, that visualization must be some sort of just coding for how your brain reconstructs the board. So hearing you, someone who's really dove deeply into this, makes me personally feel better. Hopefully for you, those of you out there, maybe who can see the board, this is still great because you're hearing that there's a process where you can improve how you can see the board even better.
1: Yeah, like I think you're, you're very much onto it there. And I think people in your situation uh, with like Aphantasia or who aren't logical thinkers, Aphantasia is almost probably better because you physically can't do what the idea of visualization is so yeah. you had to come up with something else and you've been able to improve so you're there going there must be there must be something
0: right
1: uh, and i don't know else. how i
0: did it it's not like i i can talk to my brain be like what are we doing up there right it's just <laughs> like, i can do stuff yeah yeah it's been, it's been a fascinating process so cool i'm gonna try this for myself um i'll try the idea of recording a game and uh listening to it and following it and seeing if that that helps me especially as someone who can't actually see anything i think it'll be fascinating to see like yeah
1: i'd love to hear your uh, experience with that for sure does it just help
0: me forge those connections more so
1: yeah the key is just like uh and i think you would do it naturally it sounds like you have been anyway but just trust whatever your brain wants to do with that information like take all of the ideas of what should happen away and just see what happens almost like a meditative process just Mm -hmm. like witness your brain dealing with this and and just yeah
0: that that, that makes me feel a lot more confident about my process I will say this it's it's a funny thing that I've been talking to about my with my coach where it's like he'll be like well like once you craft a narrative around a position you have a harder time shaking it than any other student I've worked with where it's like I I craft this idea that like this is going to be on the D file, and that's the most yeah. important thing. And I think it's because that's how my brain handles chess. Rather than being able yeah. to see it, it crafts stories about the game. And so I just have to be more cognizant of that and kind of be like, brain, are you sure it's about the D file? Should we look <laughs> at other stories here, right? If there are other yeah. stories on this board, and I've been trying to kind of dive into that. And I think that's just for me accepting how my brain works and leaning into it rather than yeah. trying to be like, all right, I read this book on visualization. I have to vi- I have to see the pieces in this corner of the board. So I really like what you're saying about that, about like, just brains are different. Figure out what your brain is doing, lean into it and uh, yeah. you can improve. That's, yeah. that's great for everyone to hear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Glad to the, hear it. And I love it. I love the, I love the idea of, version of yeah.
0: journeys we've had
1: yet. <laughs> okay so on it.
0: i mean you said you have a business i'm a little bit like okay did you just give away all your secrets is there something <laughs> you want to point people to that they can go to for more information about how this business works
1: yeah for sure uh it's called don't move until you see it uh big right. reference to searching for bobby fisher mm, um and if you look up don't move until you see dot it or don't move until you see it chess uh you'll be taken to it through google Okay. Uh, and on that, uh, there's a bit of a spiel about the whole thing. And there's a, what I call my master skill series, uh, which is a totally free five-part series where I run through what, like I give exercises. I say how to do the exercise we talked about. I go into more detail about why it works and what happens. Then I do weekly, uh, weekly, fortnightly, totally free newsletters, trying to give lots of value mm-hmm. as best I can. And if what I'm doing really resonates, if you're feeling um connected to the idea then i would love for you to sign up and uh, that's all on the site as well and then once you're in there i've got uh, 400 modules i've made including ones from chess wow. masters uh where i've got like this game audio piece is just one of now 13 different content types i've created uh, okay. um that focus on different parts of the visualization skill right. so if you want to go really deep down that rabbit hole that's the place to do that but there's tons of free stuff that you can mm check out and, and really well, that's see amazing age
0: so it sounds like you're offering a lot of stuff as a free service and then you've gotten even more nuanced like games are part of it but maybe i don't know. i'm just going to guess like maybe if you're weak in end games maybe now you're really visualizing some end game stuff to really work on that then yeah i don't want to take the so, secrets i don't know
1: yeah that's right i've got my <laughs> ethos is uh, i i sort of really connect with this value-first idea. So the way I see it and the way I kind of try and operate as best I can is if I can help people uh, feel better about how they're learning, impress themselves with their skills, if I can give real value first, then Hmm. down the line somewhere, if it's a thing for them, like if I can help people grow, then they will help my business grow. And I like it in that order um, rather than the reverse, which is the standard.
0: Yeah, that... That sounds amazing. It doesn't sound like you know how capitalism works, but I'm okay with that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, I will say this, Aiden, you have definitely given value to me just on this episode, just, just saying, hey, I've worked with a lot of people and everyone's brain is different. That alone without the exercises <laughs> helps me psychologically, right? Feel like, okay, cool. I, I am on a journey that I can be happy with. I've been very hesitant to even engage in these kind of discussions because I don't want it to become a reason why I'm not successful. Oh, hmm. well, of course you're not improving. You have aphantasia. You shouldn't have expected you would be able to yeah. improve. I don't like to put unnecessary hurdles in front of myself when there's going to be plenty of hurdles that will emerge naturally. I don't. I just was hesitant to add another one and it's nice to feel like that doesn't have to be a hurdle. Maybe this is what I've been telling myself, Aiden. You, you, I've yeah, been telling myself. that's good. Perhaps my unique way of interacting with chess will make my mental decline less serious. As, <laughs> like, as chess players age, generally it's more challenging. Perhaps having this more narrative-driven approach will make that decline less sharp. I don't know if that's yeah, true, Aiden. Maybe. That's just what I'm telling like, myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be like it's it's in anything, anything that our brains do, no matter what it is, whether it's considered a mainstream thing or or, or a different thing, whether it's considered positive, negative, whatever. There is always a hidden superpower in it. Mm. Uh, it's like I've like I am ninety nine point seven percent. I have sure I have undiagnosed ADHD, and that I can I can. There's a lot of difficulties with that, but there are superpowers that come with that as well. Hmm. And I think it's the same for anything. Uh, if you find a way to get really comfortable with uh, sort of how you visualize, in inverted commas, how you conceptualize a board with mm-hmm. Aphantasia, you might find, I'd say you probably will, some added superpower, some massive benefit to the way you go about it that other people that don't have Aphantasia don't have access to. Um, That's it's just a about... Dream. Yeah, <laughs> That's the dream. That's I will the say dream. this,
0: my whole life, I've been able to pick up activities very quickly and be competent in them almost immediately. And my awesome. oldest child who also has aphantasia has the same ability. Now, are they connected? I don't know. I'm not a brain scientist, but it feels like there's a possibility there. Who knows? Who knows? Well, have yeah, to it
1: might just be in the way you've had to encode information as you've grown yeah. up and it just it works for you in this way. That's fantastic. Exactly. That, does, that is not to say I'm great at
0: things, just to be very clear. <laughs> Competency and greatness, there's a wide gulf between them.
1: Yeah, v- very different things, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, I really want to just call you like Aiden the Brain Guy now. So, Aiden <laughs> the Brain Guy, it has been so great having you on today. This episode did not even go the trajectory that I thought it was going to go. <laughs> and I am so fine and happy with that so thanks so much for sharing your own journey this process you've come up with i love the idea of how accessible it is i am sure many of the listeners are going to be checking it out because we're all looking for any secret sauce to getting better at this game that is so merciless and holding improvement away from you that (laughs) carrot it's like come on just yeah Probably eight hours a day, and you can eat the carrot, and you're like, okay. (laughs) So thanks so much. Is there any place people can contact you? I'm sure people are going to want to have questions and want to talk to you.
1: Yeah, um, as I said, don't move until you see it. So don't move until you see dot it is the website. I've got a contact form there. I'm also on Facebook. Um, Do a bit of stuff there. I'm also on Twitter and Insta, but I do less there. Uh, But best place to contact me would be the website contact form there. You can sign up to the Moscow series and I would read every response. Um, I try and be as engaged as I can and answer any questions because I'm discovering all of this stuff in real time as everybody else is. Um, and yeah, I'd I'd absolutely love to hear from any of your listeners that would be keen. Okay. There you go. You heard it. Aiden, the brain guy wants to hear from you.
0: So, uh, (laughs) Remember, he's basically Alpha Zero. We already said that. So
1: basically, he's Alpha a, Zero. To a a lot of new nicknames today
0: for Aiden. <laughs> for. Well, everybody, thanks so much for coming by today. I hope you enjoyed this one, and uh, maybe you'll go to "Don't Move Until You See It" and uh, you'll gain 200 points this week. If that doesn't happen, don't don't worry. That's the norm. We'll be here for you next week, and we'll have some more ideas for how to break out of the next plateau. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. I'll see you next time.